Now we try to understand, <clears throat> following up to the first meditation, what is St. Francis' mission, what is the way this mission is accomplished. <clears throat> the request by the crucifix was, Go, Francis, and repair my house or my church. Because, as you say, it is falling apart. It needs some help. <clears throat> and now, with the help of Saint Bonaventure, Saint Bonaventure, the Franciscan daughter of the church, Saint Francis theologian, we understand uh, the mission entrusted by the crucifix to our seraphic father St. Francis and the very importance of the portiuncula in the life of St. Francis. We have to go a bit, a bit back <clears throat> to the moment when St. Francis is at St. Mary of the Angels, portiuncula. He has arrived there, yes? That is the third church he was trying to repair physically, the, the structure, the building. But uh, once arrived at uh, St. Mary of the Angels, his eyes opened and he was ready to see clearly the meaning of that mission, <clears throat> the mission that St. Bonaventure has already told us was, to, uh, was in regard to the church which Christ had purchased with his own blood, as the Holy Spirit taught him. But to understand that the church our Lord was meaning was his own mystical body, St. Francis had to arrive to the third step of spiritual life, which is the highest. St. Bonaventure reads these uh, three phases as the three stages of Christian perfection. The beginners, the, uh, the more perfect, uh, better to say the beginners, the proficient, and the perfect. The purgative phase, illuminative, unitive. Three steps for becoming a saint. Uh, we need to get rid of our sins, purgative moment. As we are detached from sin and live the life of grace, we become closer to our Lord. We come to the illuminative phase. If we are faithful to grace and we reject sin and live in the state of grace, that grace is leading us on to the final moment, which is perfection, which corresponds to God, to uh, the union with God in Christ. The, the highest uh, moment is the transforming union, or also said mystical marriage. St. Francis is going through these three phases, and the perfection is found in a Marian church at uh, St. Mary of the Angels. He was there that St. Francis came to understand 
the very meaning of Jesus' words. And St. Bonaventure reads it this way. This is chapter 3, if you want to look it up. Chapter 3 of the Major Legend by St. Bonaventure. This is the life of St. Francis, written by St. Bonaventure. Chapter 3, the beginning, we read thus. Now Francis, abiding at the church of the Virgin Mother of God, with continuous sighing, besought her that had conceived the word full of grace and truth, that she would deign to become his advocate. And by the merits of the Mother of Mercy, he did himself conceive and give birth unto the spirit of gospel truth. It's very insightful. I think I need to read it again. <laughs> because it's, it's, uh, if you grasp it, this is the very essence of Francis St. Francis' uh, life and also mission within the church. Being identified with the mother of God who gave birth to Christ, to the spirit of the evangelical truth, Christ and St. Francis, being identified with the same mother of God, was made unto another Mary, another mother of Christ, giving birth unto the spirit of gospel truth for his time. St. Francis is another Mary, giving birth to Christ, to the world, for the world, in his time to give birth to the spirit of gospel truth. But this could happen because at St. Mary of the Angels, St. Francis sought a Blessed Mother's intercession to become herself the advocate of the order, the advocate of his life, of his mission. He entrusted himself totally to Our Lady, to be able in her to understand his mission, which is basically the only one mission entrusted to the church, to bring forth the gospel of Christ, to generate the gospel in each time, in each uh, moment of history, to generate Christ to the world, for the world. This is what St. Francis did. Yes. And this is why we are Marian Franciscans. Not because we are fanat fanatical, not because we are too devotional, but because this is St. Francis' call. <clears throat> and this is not what I say, but what St. Bonaventure says. And this is what Father Stefano Manelli, our founder, understood and uh, on following in the footsteps of St. Maximilian Kolbe, because before uh, Father Stefano there is the great understanding of a Polish saint, St. Maximilian Kolbe, who uh, is the great Marian saint of our last century. Uh, and uh, he understood the, 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 the history of the Franciscan order in the light of the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate is... The, the standard of the Franciscan order, 
But St. Maximilian says the order is divided in two moments. The beginning until the moment the Immaculate Conception was proclaimed, from St. Francis to the proclamation of the dogma, 1854, and the second moment of history, from the proclamation of the dogma to its uh, development, its uh, spread into the lives of the, the people, its uh, incarnation of the dogma in our own lives. But the Franciscan order has a Marian origin. There is a Marian womb. Why? Because Jesus has a Marian origin. There is no Jesus without Mary. And therefore there is no Mary without Jesus. They can never be separate. And this union between the mother and the son, the son and the mother, is well highlighted at the beginning of St. Francis' mission. Uh, St. Francis' full understanding of his own mission within the church, the mission to repair the house of God. Well, you cannot repair that house unless you are able to generate yourself that mystical body, to generate Christ, the head, and through him, in him, with him, to generate his own body, the church. That's why St. Francis, in, re in uh, making reference to our Blessed Mother, in his Marian prayer, calls Our Lady the Virgin Maid, Church. That is the reflection he has by pondering this, uh, his own experience. Coming to build the church within and through the womb of the one who gave birth to Christ and therefore to the church. This one is the Blessed Lady to whom he was very much Devoted. If you read the life of St. Francis written by St. Bonaventure, you understand the great love St. Francis had for Our Lady. For one reason, basically, because she made our own brother the God of majesty. She gave our flesh to God. And now he's uh, beseeching our Blessed Mother to, uh, to become <clears throat> the advocate of his own life, but he became also officially the advocate of the Franciscan order. Virgin made church is the one who, by conceiving Christ and giving birth to Christ, was capable to become herself the church. The first who welcomed in her person in her flesh, the divine word, and by saying her fiat, she was able to give birth to Christ and to give birth in Christ to all members of this mystical body, the church. Virgin made church. The church begins with Mary. The church begins in her womb. And the church is safeguarded in her status, 
by remaining safeguarded in Mary's womb. Marian devotion, Marian consecration is the key to remain faithful to the church, to respect the authority all the time despite the, the fact that the authority may be doing something wrong. You respect the authority and you remain what you are. You remain Catholic. You remain within the church. You are not disgusted by this church and turn your back on it and say, okay, goodbye. I find something better. This is the temptation. But if you remain close to our blessed mother, or better to say, if you remain in heaven like St. Francis, you remain faithful despite all the troubles. And now we understand why we remain faithful despite all sorrows and pains, because these sorrows and pains are necessary to generate the church, co-redemption. Without co-redemption, there is no salvation, because without redemption, there is no salvation. The incarnation is the beginning of redemption, but not the end. The incarnation, the womb of our Blessed Mother when the Word was made flesh, is the beginning. St. Francis is at the beginning of his mission now, not at the end. He's at the Annunciation. And now he needs to be led on by our Blessed Mother. Where? Right, there. Necessarily there, to Calvary. And in fact, there is a Franciscan Calvary as well. In St. Francis' life, there is a Calvary, Laverna, where St. Francis got crucified. The first time in history a man was seen crucified, like Christ. So there is a Calvary, uh, Laverna, if you have been to Italy, uh, Tuscany, uh, near Arezzo, the south of Tuscany, you go to Laverna, this mountain, where St. Francis used to retire for praying for uh, his uh, Lent, basically spent uh, not only in preparation for Easter, but also in honor of St. Michael the Archangel. He was very devoted to St. Michael the Archangel. 1224, two years before dying, 1226 he died. He was spending the whole Lent in honor of St. Michael the Archangel on that mountain, fasting, praying in a very secluded place. Basically, there is nothing there but a cave. If you go, you still see the cave where he was. Well, uh, St. Francis prayed uh, to our Lord, let me feel all the love you felt when you became, you died for us on the cross. And let, all, let me also feel all the sorrow and pain you felt when you were crucified for us. At his prayer, uh, a seraphim came uh, with six wings and crucified him. And the biographers say that at that time, in that crucifixion, in his flesh, he felt the love of Christ. It's an incredible experience, of course, you can imagine. And he felt also all the pains and the sorrows of Jesus' crucifixion. But uh, 
as in Jesus there is a clear uh, bond between the beginning and the end. And this bond is Marian, yes? Annunciation to Calvary. Christ is led on, so to speak, by the Holy Spirit and by his mother. His mother is always with him. We know from the gospel, she's there. Especially in the most important moments of his life, the mother is there because she's one with him. She's led, you let me say that, led in, in a maternal way. Uh, though it's God, of course, our lady is subordinate to him. But she's always the mother, right? The advocate, as St. Francis says. So Jesus is accompanied by his own mother, led by her from the Annunciation throughout his life to the moment of Calvary, where he died for us. And any person, any Christian, basically, any Franciscan, if we want to be more specific, as Father Manelli reminds us, should be born at Bethlehem and die on Calvary. There is no alternative. There is no other way. Because this is Jesus' way. This is St. Francis' way. This is a Christian way. To be born at Bethlehem in a very poor manger, cave environment. St. Francis did the same because of the inspiration of his mother. And to, to die on Calvary, to die on the cross. It's painful, yes, but... Uh, it is only through this way that we find salvation. Which is, of course, a scandal for the Jews. It is foolishness for the Greeks, for the wise men, for the philosophers. But it is, it is salvation. What is foolishness uh, by God is wiser than the wisdom of the wise of this, of this world, the wise and uh, the philosophers and those who are uh, powerful. <clears throat> this is the logic of the cross, which begins with uh, the Annunciation. St. Francis was able to understand this mission with Our Lady. But as you now understand, go, Francis, and repair my, my house, my church, is what? Is a mission entrusted to him. Francis, basically, you need to become another Christ. If you want to save the people and to contribute to the salvation of humankind, you need to be another myself, another Christ. Only in this way you can repair my house by uh, starting with the Annunciation, St. Mary of the Angels, dying on Calvary so that you can give life yourself. This life began at uh, Porziuncula and in fact that is the reason why St. Francis came to that third perfect uh, stage of Christian life and there he understood what to do. There he understood that the call was to form a new army for the church. 
And, uh, and St. Bonaventure reads also the three stages uh, in, uh, this, in also in light of the three orders St. Francis founded. The, the Franciscan order for the friars, the poor clares for the nuns, and the tertiaries for the lay people. Three orders uh, at the third stage of his life at St. Mary of the Angels. There he began the foundation of the order. There he received the first friars. Uh, also there he consecrated St. Clair. He welcomed St. Clair. And also there he died. He died in St. Mary of the Angels. So his mission began there and was spread all over the world uh, until the very final moment, almost the end of his life, Calvary, Laverna. <clears throat> What's the reflection now? What can we draw from this? Well, if we ponder more this uh, statement by the crucifix of St. Damien, we understand that salvation begins with the crucifix and ends with the crucifix. The Annunciation is already the beginning of the cross, the journey to the cross. And this statement, go Francis and repair my house, is something about co-redemption, isn't it? It is co-redemption. Our Lord is asking Francis to do something for the church. And not again for the buildings going to be closed down very soon, unfortunately. If uh, the crucifix would speak to one of you, would say, go and try to keep these churches open and build my, my church as well. But at that time, they that didn't have that issue with churches to be closed down. But uh, the very problem was that the church was decadent, was falling apart because of these heresies, these problems. Fun. Just to let you know, Father, the church is free for you whenever oh, you want it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So they didn't have that, right? That problem. <laughs> They had the problem of St. Francis was asked to build up the mystical body. But the point is that our Lord is asking him to repair the church. This is not something ordinary. It is a mission to contribute, to build up the mystical body. Who are you, Francis, to do something that only Christ can do? But now it's Christ telling him. So it means that there is cooperation in the church. Without cooperation, there is no salvation. And this cooperation, asked by our Lord, is to contribute with his own life, with his own mission, to build up the same mystical body, to bring life back into the church by generating souls to Christ, by preaching again the same gospel of truth, for that time to regenerate the church by have fidelity to the same only gospel 
This is a co-redemptive mission entrusted by our Lord to Saint Francis. Francis' life is co-redemptive. As it is the life of any saint, of any Christian in the church. Especially in our own case, we understand that co-redemption begins at the Annunciation and ends uh, as its moment of uh, accomplishment on Calvary. The mission entrusted to St. Francis is to become a co-redeemer. How to be a co-redeemer if there is not a co-redemptrix? How can St. Francis pretend to do something if in Christ, in the moment when redemption was accomplished, there was no one to help him in fulfilling that redemption? It would be void. St. Francis' mission would be void. No content, right? Because there would be no cooperation possible. Cooperation is possible. This cooperation is, technically speaking, defining, uh, defined as uh, redemptio in acto secundo. Redemption accomplished, uh, not objective, but subjective, as Redemption is brought about into the life of the people, right? But in order to be uh, given that gift, it has to be, uh, to be objectively uh, uh, celebrated and uh, to, be, to be realized. So there is an objective redemption, subjective redemption. Of course, St. Francis' mission can only be inscribed within the subjective redemption, bringing that redemption of Christ to the souls. Now, in that time, in our own time, but there is no subjective cooperation without an objective cooperation, right? And the objective cooperation is the cooperation within the, the making of the redemption. When redemption was accomplished, when Christ died for us in that precise moment, as well as throughout his life, there is a need of someone to help him. Yes, Jesus was in need of help. As he is in need of help now, asking you, asking me, what can you do for me? Can you go and repair my church now? Yes, he's humble. Jesus is humble. Is our, he asks for our own cooperation. Are we ready? But he asked his own mother to cooperate. And that request is, is inscribed in, the, in salvation history, right? Because an original couple brought about ruin, disobedience, and death. Adam? was not alone. The Christ alone is not good because Adam was not alone. You cannot save Adam alone. <laughs> Adam is never alone. Adam was with his wife, Eve. So as ruin 
destruction, death, was brought about by a couple, so salvation was accomplished by a couple. Christ, the true Adam, Mary, the true Eve, the second but the true Eve. So this is also the capacity of St. Francis to be a co-redeemer within the Church. His co-redemption, which is the reparation of the Church, is an extension in time of Mary's activity in Christ's life and at the foot of the cross. And this is another reason for saying the Marianity, the Marian aspect of St. Francis' life. His identification with Mary in giving birth to the spirit of the gospel of truth was uh, led him, basically, to give birth initially at the portiuncula to his order, but to give birth to that gospel of truth throughout his life up until the moment of Calvary, when his life was consummated, was totally offered up. St. Francis' life is an extension in time of Mary's life, Mary's Aledis cooperation. So we can easily say that St. Francis was identified throughout his life, from the beginning, portiuncula, to the end, with our Lady Co-Redemptrix, in order to give birth on a new Calvary, Laverna, to the gospel of truth, into the life of the Church, into, uh, uh, into the world, and also to give life to all souls. A lady at Bethlehem and on Calvary, the beginning, if we want better to say Annunciation, Bethlehem and then Calvary, is also re-echoed in St. Francis' life at the Portiuncula and Laverna and again back to the Portiuncula for his final uh, Day, his death. <clears throat> so you see, this identification is important. And basically, the, the crucifix told St. Francis that co redemption is the way forward. Co redemption is the way forward for the church today to come out of this mess. We think as the wise men of this world, that the cross is foolishness. The world is not happy with the cross, of course. They reject it. Why to insist with the cross? Why to say that we believe in a crucified Lord? Better to ignore it, isn't it? Better to take the crosses off the worlds, to hide it. Don't speak about the cross. Don't speak about sin. Be friendly. Be welcoming. And this is the way you get people back. Yes, to the point of closing down our churches. Yes, we get them back. In the sense that we uh, get into the world, we become mundane, totally mundane with the same mentality. And the world is not coming into, uh, 
is not experiencing salvation. We, we think, of course, that we should silence the, the crucifix and uh, our own Christian identity to be diluted in this big pot, which is our Western culture now, because this, this is more, something more effective, we basically reject the mission of co-redemption. We don't want to be co-redeemers. It's, it's hard work, yes. But uh, there is no alternative. Either the cross or death forever. We Christians cannot offer any alternative to the world, can we? We have only one option. Christ and Christ crucified. Since Christ is crucified, St. Paul says the world is crucified. Everything is crucified. Because only in the power of the cross, in that humiliation of the cross, there is the humiliation of our mentality, of our way of thinking, way of judging even God and his mission. Only by accepting that mystery, which contradicts our own mentality, pride and wisdom, we come to understand the, wi- the wisdom of God, <coughs> the humility of God. This humility is seen from the Annunciation, from Bethlehem, throughout Jesus' life until Calvary. It's a mystery of humility. It's a mystery of poverty. This is co-redemption. Humility and poverty. Right poverty, not pauperism. But poverty for finding Christ. Poverty for and humility, which go together. St. Francis speaks of virtues, and uh, he loves to, to see virtues always in couples, together, two by two. And he puts humility always with poverty. There is no poverty without humility, no humility without poverty. But why this humility and poverty? To see Christ. Christ in Bethlehem, Christ on the cross. To recognize only him. To to see, to accept the logic of the cross. The logic of the manger. And therefore we can say that from the crib, to the cross, the distance is indeed very short. I would like to make reference to my editorial in this new issue of Corridemtrix. Uh, it seems indeed that uh, there is a, there is, no, not, not it seems, there is in, indeed a continuity between the crib, the manger, and the cross. It is one. Uh, journey. It is the beginning and it is the end. The end is already seen, visible in the beginning, and the beginning is accomplished in the end. And, and here, as we contemplate, we are now approaching Christmas, we contemplate the humility of Christ, the poverty of Christ. We see also his love ready to become a sacrifice for us to be ready to be offered on Calvary. 
in this continuity, again, in this uh, bond of unity between the crib and the cross, there is the necessary cooperation of Mary, the mother corridemtrix, the one who gave birth to Christ in Bethlehem, the one who again gave birth to Christ for us on Calvary. Therefore, the best image, we said, uh, which conveys this beautiful truth of Mary as our mother, mother corridemtrix, which means mother who generated us, is our lady at the foot of the cross, holding her son. She's not simply holding Jesus, but offering him, presenting him to God the Father, presenting him to us as the very fruit of heaven, the fruit of salvation, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you think this, uh, sorry, I didn't interrupt, but, um, do you think this uh, place for veneration of the womb of Mary um, as not just the sanctuary for Jesus that brought him forth into the world, but also the sanctuary for every soul to receive formation be regenerated through her womb, through the wood of the cross. Yes, indeed. So it's, it's Our Lady, as you see in this image, it's a beautiful image. You see Our Lady holding the Son, but at the same time in that gesture of offering Him. She, Jesus is the fruit of her womb, and she is now. Jesus is dead. He's no longer able to offer himself. He did so when he gave his last uh, uh, breath. Uh, now he is completely vulnerable, as he was in Bethlehem, wasn't he? When he was born. A little child depending totally on his mother. And yet he was the creator of heaven and earth, God but totally vulnerable, depending on a woman. Yes, God is humble. God is poor. It's not like us, very proud. Uh, very, we think to be wise as we reject this humility, but we are indeed foolish. God is humble. And St. Francis uh, is contemplating God in his praises of the God Almighty. He says, you are humility. Hmm. God is humility. Well, he's humility because he came down. He became a little child. So in this mystery, we see the humility of God by becoming a little child, vulnerable, in need of a mother, in need of protection. He could be uh, murdered by Herod right after being born. He needed protection. He needed a family, and, but that need is only a preparation, is uh, showing already what he needs uh, in his humility at the foot of the cross, the need of a mother. And of course his father was there, always ready, St. Joseph as well, but then he went first. The couple is always Jesus and Mary, the original, the true couple of salvation. 
we come to the end and then we have some questions as well. All right? Just to conclude this discourse, you see this parable from the crib to the cross, which is from Bethlehem to Calvary. We read St. Francis Mission as co-redemptive. We need, we need to read our own <coughs> mission, which is the same, without changing anything. We need simply to embrace the same mission of our seraphic father, St. Francis, to repair his house. So the, the, the thought was to complete it. As he was vulnerable at his birth, so he is at his death. There is no change, right? That's why he needs his mother. Does he need a mother? No, God doesn't need anything. But he needs it because he wanted it. He chose to need a mother to show us his humility. And you see that only in this humility there is salvation. If you want to reject this humility because you know God is not in need of anything. Yes, this is, <laughs> this is the, the foolishness of the world. In fact, the Greek world rejected the crucifix. Why? Because they believed or they understood with their philosophy that God is impassable and God is not generated. He's agenetos. He doesn't begin. He cannot suffer. True, he doesn't begin. He's not vulnerable. But he chose to be so. Why? Because he's God. He can do it. He can choose something to show his power. His power is manifested in his love. And love is vulnerable, right? Love is the capacity to even become a little child and to die on the cross. This is the very scandal of Christian faith. This is what we proclaim to the world. God is with us. Little child, God is crucified. So does God need anything? No. Can God love? Yes. He's love himself. In his love, he chose his mother and was in need of his mother as a little baby, as a powerless son on the cross, crucified. He needed his mother to accomplish eternal salvation. And his mother now is holding him, offering him to God the Father. Uh, and this is the mission of the church. What the church is called to do, to continue this mission, this is the mission of the church, to continue the same thing, offering Jesus to the Father by standing at the foot of the cross with our Blessed Mother. She does it on behalf of the church. Virgo Ecclesia Facta, Virgin Made Church is the Virgin Mary. St. Francis understood this clearly. St. Francis saw for this time, for his time, for any time in the church, that's why he's a prophet, he's a saint, 
so that the mission, the way forward for the church is co-redemption. This is why we need to do our best, right? To promote these truths, to make people aware, especially those a bit uh, deaf, I would say, those in the church, in the hierarchy a bit deaf, but perhaps they may become a little more aware after this disaster that there is a need of co-redemption. There is a need of cooperation. Okay, let me conclude by wrapping up all this discourse and saying that uh, the message we bring home, I hope, is that we need to read the magazine, (laughs) spread the magazine. And uh, the message we need to bring home is uh, what I already said in the editorial. We need to come into this oneness. We should enter into this union of Jesus with Mary, Mary with her son. And this union is always co-redemptive. The more we come into it, the more we become what Our Lady is for the world, what St. Francis was and is through his sons for the world. This is the mission. Amen.